You're watching Meet the Movie Press. Today we're going to be talking about Pacific Rim 2, uh, James Cameron, Han Solo, Wreck-It Ralph 2, all kinds of good stuff. Stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Meet the Movie Press. Good morning, Simon. Hello. How are you? I'm wonderful. Hello, everyone out there. I am Jeff Snyder, at the Snyder on Twitter, and host of Meet the Movie Press. With me, as always, is Simon Thompson. And you can find me on Twitter, at Showbiz Simon, and on Instagram, at Showbiz Simon, and on Facebook, this is Simon Thompson. Oh, he's everywhere. Everywhere, like he's a coming fart for you. in a lift. No one alone up to me. What's uh, what's shaking? How was your how was your week? Uh, well, well, mine was better than the UK. It appears to be tearing itself apart. But uh, very busy, actually. There's been a lot of... Uh, it's not the busiest week for news, but there's been a lot of stuff to talk about. In the industry this week, if you kind of get what I mean. There were some bigger picture yeah. Yeah, yeah. things. Uh, not a lot of casting news. With- I didn't hear anything that... the No, no. I was going to say I didn't hear about The Rock potentially being cast in something, but that's I was going to say, has there been no, any news I, about Dwayne The Rock I Johnson I take this that week? back. I take that back. So, yeah. I love that this is kind of becoming a thing It is us. a thing. Where's The Rock? We love you, The Rock. We do. We do. We smell what you're cooking. Yes. Um, well, I mean, our boy Justin Kroll uh, was mm. over, was off on vacation yes. this week. Uh, so well I deserved. think that's why it was a slow news week, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Kid, kid's a, a killer out there. Um, but we did have a couple of things. Uh, you know, some Pacific Rim 2 casting. Mm-hmm. Um, some Dungeons and Dragons Dungeons casting. and Dragons. All kinds of uh, interesting yeah, things some to good, discuss. Uh, quite a few projects that have kind of been just hanging there for a while, which appear to be moving forward now, which is good. Yeah, drip by drip. And some good trailers. Um, yes, we're going to talk about all that stuff. But you know what? I think we need to start with the Academy. Yeah, let's talk about that. Which is you know, going to be a sensitive uh, conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, so they invited close to 700 people or whatever into the fold this week. That's correct, yeah. Uh, and the, you know... It was a lot of uh, minorities, a lot of diverse additions, a yep. lot of women uh, and female filmmakers, and a, a ton of awesome below-the-line people as well. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it was good. It was good headlines for the Academy after weathering a storm yep. with the Oscars so white Difficult thing. Difficult year. Um, you know, Scott Feinberg in The Hollywood Reporter wrote a really interesting story, though. You know, <coughs> sorry, excuse me. Being in the Academy mm-hmm. really used to mean something. Uh, and they invited a lot of people whose movie credits, at least, are a little thin. Um, I think that's fair, yeah. Now, I'm not, I don't want to take away anything from those performers, and nope. I'm just going to throw out, was Damon Wayans Jr. invited? Yes, he was. Of Let's Be Cops, you know? It's yeah. like, he's just starting out in his movie career, mm-hmm. uh, and he's obviously part of the Wayans dynasty. He kind of grew up in Hollywood. He, I mean, he has as much... Uh, he deserves to be in the Academy as much as the the old 80-year-old white guy who was, you know, admitted in the 60s or 70s and is, like, out of the business. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I mean, I, I get that. But it raised some it, some of these additions raised some eyebrows. Certainly for me, there were – it depends on what you, how you qualify, you know, um, people's contributions to the industry. Right. Absolutely. I think there are a lot of people in there that certainly I I was surprised, very happy for them, but very surprised to see in there. Let's look at a couple of um, sort of UK talent. I believe Emma Watson was on the list. Mm -hmm. Great. Very successful in Harry Potter. A lot of the stuff she's done past that has not been often particularly strong. Sure, but... That's eight movies. Yep. Eight movies, and she is part of movie history. She is. A hundred years from now, when they do Hollywood highlight reels, mm-hmm. you will see Harry Potter in there. Exactly. So. Yep. So. I get it. It's, yeah, I get it. 
John Boyega, very popular right now. Right. Now, I think he's an excellent actor, mm-hmm. and I think he's going great guns right now. Yep. You know, but his catalogue is not particularly strong. It's thin. I mean, it's just... It's Two not that it's or five years down the road, I would have gone John Boyega. Sure. In 2016, I would not have thought John Boyega. He was not a name that I would have put in the hat. Again, part of... Hollywood history, though. The lead yep. in Star Wars, one of the most successful mm-hmm. films of all time. Um, I, I, it's like I have a pretty low standard, I think. Like like Anthony Anderson got in. Some people were including his name on, on lists yep. of like question marks. He was still played, a, believe it or not, a key role in The Departed, which won Best Picture. Very much so, like, yeah. That's fine. I, you know, I, that, that is fine. It was it, The Damon Wayans one just sort of stuck out because I don't really think that he has been in anything that has that is part of Hollywood history or, yep. or whatever. Um, but, I mean, it, it's ultimately good to have more diversity. The, the numbers only rose like 2 or 3% as, yep. as far as, uh, you know, di- diverse voters. Um, <sighs> I, for me, it's kind of like I think when when things like this happen, Mm-hmm. I think as long as they're being done for the right reasons and not to compensate for something, I think it's absolutely fantastic. Well, they are compensating for something. Though. That's the thing. I th- yes. Mar- Mark Harris, I think, tweeted he, him and Scott got into like a little flame war on Twitter. Um, but it was, you know, uh, civil, always civil. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mark made some good points. I think he sort, sort of said, like, you know, the the nominations are, are still about talent and, and achievement and, and merit. Yeah. The membership doesn't necessarily need to be held to the same standards like like it, it's good to be more inclusive mm-hmm. and say oh man maybe this person shouldn't have been in but we're gonna have him anyways as opposed to like this uh you, you know he should be in but he's out you know yeah. so it's it's uh, it's funny because it's one of those situations where there is no ultimate right or wrong you know, and there Good are point. people in the industry who are very much closer to some of these people than than we are, and will perhaps see things that we don't see if we're purely looking at catalogue of work and things like that. So, you know, I I think we can look at it from an industry point of view, and we can look at it from a very different viewpoint for that. But I think mm-hmm. if they're looking at it from a artistic point of view, and they are rewarding for things like the artistic side of what they do, they might be coming from a slightly different angle. But there were certainly a few names on there that I was like, yeah, okay. It's just like what's the what's the criteria? And yeah. I saw actually Rebecca Ford uh, raised a, a question over at the Hollywood Reporter on Twitter about you know why no Daisy Ridley? And to me, it's just like well, Daisy Oscar Ridley's Isaac, done. If we're looking at Star Oscar Wars, Isaac's been in a ton of things. Yeah. John Boyega has at least been in another movie. And I know uh, these people are are not minorities, but if we're looking at purely, they, they are of work, though. I mean, they're not they're not white males. No, true. Daisy, uh, Oscar, and John. Yes, no, um, but, true. But Daisy's only been in one movie. Mm-hmm. So, like, I get wanting to wait until the second movie. Like, I bet you she gets in next year or something. Yep. Um, but I, I didn't think it was like, you know, why did the two male Star Wars leads get in and the female one didn't? Like, but no. They I, have a body of work, at least. Yeah, and I suppose it is quite difficult by the fact that, and this has been covered numerous times before, if you are looking, I mean, we could draw up a list of people that we think should perhaps have been included this year or maybe right. in the next couple of years. And overwhelmingly, just purely by the odds and numbers, because the industry is overwhelmingly white and male, mm-hmm. more people are going to be on that list who are white and male. So if you are going to do some positive action, you are going to have to pull in from those ranks of people who don't have perhaps as much um, coverage and as much experience as that that particular category. So I think 
it, that's true. It's it, it is if they don't have the opportunities. If they don't have the opportunities. How can how they be they nominated? So you have to then bring in people who haven't done a huge amount of work so far, but you think they have. That makes sense. And you can, of course, be asked at any point to leave the academy. You know, they are now going. Okay, we're going to sift through right. who's still active and who's not. So just because you're in in 2016 doesn't mean you're going to be in in 2020. Yeah, fair. I mean. So it's fair, not it's not fair, a life. fair enough. I mean, I think that the rules, though. I mean, it's not like you know you could be out after four years. I no, think well, I'm just picking like, a number if you, out of if you were inactive. Yeah, I think it has to be like you're inactive for ten years or yeah. something like that. Um, I, it was nice to see the directors branch leading the charge yeah. on the on that front. Yeah. Um, and I but I still have questions about like you know the publicity branch. Uh, or the even the executive branch, but like the publicity branch has Oscar consultants mm-hmm. who are paid to champion you know certain films and work on their campaigns for six months. Yeah, are they going to use their influence now in the academy to lobby for votes? Not that everybody isn't doing that, mm. uh, but I don't know. It just raised some ethical questions for me. Mm. If you have academy members who actually work on the campaign, but still, it, it's it, it, you're damned <coughs> if you do and you're damned if you don't with this one. I think so. Yeah, you know, it's I I totally I can imagine how difficult the decisions must have been at the academy looking at, at and I'm sure everybody who was involved in this process can absolutely justify why every single person was given the chance to join the Academy. It wouldn't be like, eh, just sling it to that person. This will have been thought out. W- would you like to see a journalist branch? I would like to see a journalist branch, yeah. Um, I, I would very much like to see I would that. Too. I, I don't, don't think th- it's going to happen. No, no, I don't think it's going to happen either. I did, you know, I have had the experience of voting for the Oscars. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at Whose for- ballot did you steal? Uh, it wasn't stealing. So Peter Bart. Borrowing? Peter Bart. Yeah. Uh, at Variety, who was an executive at Paramount for sure. a long, long time. He has a ballot, uh, and I, you know, he, he would have these editorial meetings with the film staff, mm-hmm. uh, where, you know, and, and some of the features team, of course, and critics. We would mm-hmm. all sort of get our say, and we'd take a group vote, and whoever, you know, whichever movie or performance came out on top, that's how Peter would fill out his ballot. So yeah. he sort of did it via Variety consensus, if you will, mm. uh, which was. You know, probably not 100% legal, but there's probably a ton of people whose grandson or whose maid fills out their ballot. Um, I don't know. I always, it's kind uh, of like I always appreciate who, who don't. It's okay. always a fun day of variety for me, and I appreciate <laughs> it from Peter Bart. So. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, with, with, with the voting thing, it's kind of like there's a lot of people who vote for films and they haven't watched the screeners. And yeah. we all know that's the truth. Okay. You know, so. Well, that that's uh, the Academy stuff. Uh, it's moving t- in the right direction. As someone was saying in the chat, it is a step in the right direction. Right. And I think the more people who are non-white and not male that we have in the industry, and Hollywood's addressing it slowly, but they're addressing it. Right, baby steps. The stronger choices that there will be out there to add people. So I think it is, it's a good step forward. It's a big. They, they had they promised big things by yeah. like twenty twenty. They promised to like double the numbers. But this is the start. Um, exactly. So it's a good thing. Yes, it's a good thing. Agreed. So uh, all right, some some casting stuff. We'll lighten it up here. Uh, Scott Eastwood. Yeah. In talks for Pacific Rim, too. It would be him and, and our boy John Boyega. You see, I didn't like Pacific Rim. No, neither It's not I. a film that I enjoyed really in Me any... It was, a, it was a spectacle, but it wasn't... You know, it didn't entertain me, really. Um, I'm more excited by the cast this time round. I wasn't excited previously, but they're starting no, to yeah. put a couple of choice castings in there that I'm going... Well, it's just okay. John and Scott at this point, right? Yeah, but I'm like... 
I can see them. It's even at this point, I'm like, it's a, it feels like a stronger cast. They're building from that level rather than building from that level, and I think that's helping. And Scott, I really like. I mean, I, I think I, he's good. I haven't seen enough of his work really. Um, he strikes me as kind of like generic pretty boy at this point in his mm. career. Um, but he could very well distinguish himself in this film or, or others soon. I know he has a few movies awaiting release. You see, I agree with you on that. But mm-hmm. I think you haven't seen a lot of his stuff because I think, and he does fit that pretty boy thing, but I think he's being very careful not to mine that and go, I'm just going to go pretty boy and do everything that involves a pretty boy. Right. Where so many actors, James Marsden, I'm looking at you, probably did in their career previously. So I think the fact that he's meeting it out is, is a good thing. Okay, I'm looking forward to seeing so, him in, in yeah. Suicide Squad. I, I agree, John um, would would have been my favorite actor in Pacific Rim. Uh, he definitely mm. brings some excitement. And I'm kind of glad that the movie is out of the hands of Guillermo del Toro, uh, and yeah. it's being directed by Stephen DeKnight, right, mm. who did Daredevil. Yeah. So it, it is encouraging, but I'm afraid Pacific Rim 2 will be the kind of movie where it's like the trailer will have to impress me. Yeah. For me to really step up and, and go to the theater to see it because, yeah, that first film. It's going to be an uphill struggle I didn't for the studio, I think. Because that, you know. I'm surprised this is even happening at all. Yeah, but, so am I. But, hey, international grosses, so, yeah. uh, you know, carrying the day. Um, and also, we are seeing a lot of markets now, especially places like China, where this kind of film does sit particularly well. It's so weird because aren't so, the Chinese like the smartest people on earth? I know that's a stereotype, but. Yeah. Why were they falling for things like Warcraft? But there's always been a cultural thing where they like this kind of, yes, this kind Avatar. of thing, you know, and it's, I think we're seeing more of that. So I think, and I, this is, I think it's quite funny how the shift has been. I've seen this in the last sort of 18 months, two years, where I think films are, certain films are being slightly made less for the Western market and more for like what will work well in China, what will work well in Japan, what will work well here. And I think that's because they know there's a lot more money over there to put bums on seats right now than perhaps there is domestically because it's very crowded. I just know, like, you know, when a movie typically, typically doesn't do well in America, mm. it radiates across the world. But I guess with release patterns these days... It's and, difficult. Yeah, it doesn't matter as much. Anyways, yes. um, Ansel Elgort in Talks for Dungeons and Dragons. Yes. Here's another movie I just could not give a shit about. You see, I... I, I I don't know why I care about this film, but I do. Did I, you grow up playing D&D? I played D&D. Only the very... I didn't get hardcore into it. You know, I did not get hardcore into it. I think it. if you're playing, you're hardcore into it. <laughs> like, eh, I don't know. I, I kind of got diverted by, did, by women. Did you have a character? Did, did you uh, have like a name? I, do you know what? It was so long ago that I don't remember this. if I had a character. Uh-huh. I got given the first couple of boxes as Christmas presents. And I, was, I used to have the lead figures and I used to paint all that shit. I, I, no, seriously, I love that shit. Uh-huh. It was great fun. Call me a little... A little Vin Diesel. Um, you know, I quite enjoy... He's a big fan of it. I'll yes, that that, he wants a part um, in it, right? Yeah, he does. He's been talking about this for years. But I, I was really excited when the original Dungeons & Dragons movie came out. Do you remember, like, in the 90s? And it was just so shit. Yeah. It was beyond shit. Um, if you actually... If you put it next to a shit, the shit would be less shit than the Dungeons & Dragons movie. Right. Um, and so I've been hoping that Hollywood would get a chance to come back and go, okay, sorry about that. Let's... Let's do it again. Rewind, everybody. And I like Ansel Elgort. And there's something about him. He hasn't had a big franchise yet. I think he's ready for one. Um, I like his look. I think he's got that pretty boy thing, but I think there's something slightly elven about him. And I think that would work really well with Dungeons & Dragons. Mm -hmm. Um, He's popular, but he's not massive popular. And I think that's a really good place to do it. And I think I could see him on screen with Vin Diesel 
and having having a bloody laugh. I would love. I'm genuinely quite excited about this. Director is the guy that did Goosebumps. Yeah, um, uh, Rob, Rob Letterman. Yeah, uh, and yeah, stuff like yeah, you know. Um, and then David Johnson, who wrote The Conjuring Two. Apparently, there was a script for that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I was like, just just do boo things. Yeah, brilliant. Um, so it could be quite interesting, and it means that potentially, if he's bringing some of that style of writing, the thrills are going to be quite high. You just know they're going to do this in like a Game of Thrones. Like that's where they see the potential for this. I'll take Game it. of Thronesy. I'll take Lord it. of the Ringsy. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know that it's necessarily up my alley. Um, but it's 2018, I think, it's being benchmarked for that. So, yeah. Someone said the other day, 20, I don't know how true that is and whether they're going to shift it around. Um, but I'm, I, you know, I, I'm with, with the way it's shaping up so far, my interest is peaked. You know what's, uh, what's more up my alley? Michael Sheen. Yes. Starring in the Green River Killer movie. Yeah. I read that book. Uh, it's like a graphic, a graphic novel mm. written by Jeff Jensen. Uh, it's, it follows, you know, this, I think it's an FBI guy chasing Gary Ridgway, the okay. Green River Killer. It was awesome, and Sheen wants to play the killer. I'm I, in. I like Michael Sheen. I'm he so comes in. from my part of the world, from South Wales. So Th- this story was boss. done before. I'm. I, 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 is it was maybe Carrie Carrie Ellis in it? Uh, um, God, I don't know. I'm pretty sure Green River was definitely done before. Uh, I'm forgetting at the moment who it was, but a great book, a really interesting serial killer. I'm surprised that they. You know, Hollywood hasn't really gone back and done some of those classics, uh, you know, like a big Ted Bundy. Well, we haven't had a great serial killer movie for a while. You know, in the it, 90s, there was like shitloads of them. But like, you know, OK, so we saw the BBC top 10 lists of the, you know, Millennium or whatever. Yeah. Zodiac was on a bunch of them. Yeah. You know, like, why doesn't someone sort of take that? I know Zodiac didn't do well, very well, which, mm. you know, but maybe it was that three hour running time. Who fucking knows? <laughs> Um, but why can't someone do the Zodiac approach on someone like Bundy or uh, mm. the Hillside Strangler? Anyways, Green River Killer, uh, pretty cool. Excellent. If, you, if you're into that And dark also, he's shit. a great actor. He doesn't get... He's really good, and I bet he'd be... You know, I want to see him go dark. Yeah. I, he, he looks like he could get kind of angry. Yeah. Um, Daniel Craig's doing an L.A. Riots movie with Halle Berry. Uh, I'm just hoping that... First of all, there's a lot of L.A. Riots movies. But there's a lot of Riot brewing. movies because right. John Boyega's Detroit doing the Detroit riots. riots. Yeah, you're right. There's a lot of... It's a, a somebody lot of Hollywood gone, let's do a Riot movie, and everyone's like, oh, yeah, let's do it. Right. And everyone just sort of watched the O.J. documentary, and if mm. you didn't, what the fuck are you watching this show for? <laughs> Go watch the O.J. documentary. Um, and there's a lot of, like, you know, L.A. Riot stuff in that. Uh, but John Ridley's doing one. Yeah. We, we discussed last week. So a lot of riot stuff in the news. This one would be like Daniel Craig as like the white neighbor who then comes over to Halle Berry's, you know, house to like protect her and her kids or something. Okay. I'm like, that seems like another white savior movie. I was going to say, you know the, how much shit that's going to yeah, get on Twitter, right? Just, mm, we'll see if that's a good idea. Yeah. Daniel Craig keeping very busy, though. Uh, he well, has that big he, cable series. Yeah, but if, we don't know if he's leaving Bond. He's leaving Bond. Seems like he is, yeah, because yeah. look at all these he's, projects he's oh, lining come up. Come on, man. He's tired of that shit. He's just so over Bond. Uh, we all know it. He just hasn't said it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, when he was Bond, he... I'm already talking about it in the past tense. The films that he did between... Aside from Girl with a Dragon Tattoo, which I kind of liked, it didn't, you know, do huge money, but it did okay, um, have not done well. So he oh, needs, yeah, no, he doesn't want to be a Pierce Brosnan. He needs to get some films lined up that make him Daniel Craig rather than former Bond's Daniel Craig. Right. And I think this could be interesting, but that right now, that doesn't hit me as. Yeah, no, I'm, no, I'm not I'm terribly not, excited about that. I like the idea, one. but not with them. 
Yeah, it's weird casting. Yeah. Um, oh, I love Halle Berry. I love, why doesn't Halle Berry get in the fucking John Ridley L.A. Riots movie, for Christ's sake? Yeah. Um, by the way, speaking of Bond, mm. uh, did you see the story today about the gloves? Have you seen any of this? I have not seen that. So, someone on Twitter, I'm forgetting what his name was, I think it was Charlie something, uh, he had heard a story, this is a great story, about how you know Daniel Craig likes to go shopping. Uh, he does. Right, yeah, you know, on when he has afternoons off on Bond or whatever, and he brought he, he bought these really nice leather gloves, and he brought them to set, mm-hmm. uh, and he's like, Sam, I want Bond to wear these 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 gloves. I feel like, you know, he this is something he would wear, and yeah. Sam was just like, yeah, 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 whatever, Daniel, go for it. Um, and so they filmed like the whole opening scene of Skyfall with like the Komodo Komodo dragon or whatever. Yep. Komodo dragon? I don't fucking uh, yeah, Komodo. Because Komodo. Komodo is like right. A, I was yeah. like, no, what? Komodo. Hang on, there's a, there's, a, there's a dragon in a. Lovely silk dressing and so he gown. Did, they filmed that whole scene with uh, with gloves on. Yeah. Uh, but then it's like, well, how does he use the gun that is coded to his fingerprint? Yeah. So they had to digitally paint his hands, you know, because it would have cost millions of dollars to reshoot the scene. Hashtag the Hollywood Whiteout. So, and so there was just, like, all these close-ups of, like, these kind of, like, weird-looking hands. Or were they just his, you know, then the movie's death had its own report that's like, no, 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 it's a different <laughs> scene. Right. I don't fucking know, but it was a pretty good story. Check out those videos uh, after the show. And if you're watching it, uh, obviously, if you're watching at home. Yeah. Oh, uh, and uh, 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 Stefan Linus Jensen uh, said in the chat that Daniel Craig is doing a TV show at Showtime. Right. Which is also Pure, true. It's like purity or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a big commitment. So I just don't know. I mean, there's not even a script for Bond yet, right? No. So. Not as far as I know. Right. But Simon's our insider on all things Bond. All right, let's. Uh, we're going to talk about the purge election year just for a little bit uh, as, yeah. as we pre- prepare to take calls. So why don't we tweet out that phone number? Sweet. Um, popcorn talk, and then. Sorry, guys. T- if you want to write it down, I've got it here. Actually, yeah. What it's, is it? Uh, it's four two four. Yeah. Two five three. Yeah. Zero five zero four. Zero five zero four. And your calls are important to us, so please stay on the line. All right, it, uh, the numbers tweeted out. Those calls will start to come in in a second. In the meantime, yeah, purge, purge election year. What would yeah. you think? Thumbs up, thumbs down? Uh, thumbs up from me. Uh, I got to see it at a, at a preview uh, earlier this week. Um, it's interesting what happened with the purge because um, I was due to do Junket a couple of weeks ago. Yep. That was going to be the, the cast and director. Um, and that got pulled. Why? It, because Don't of... know why. Don't know why. Um, was the whole junket cancelled? Whole junket cancelled. Yeah, maybe because of Orlando. Or I'm going to think it's to do with current affairs. Yeah, current issues, which is just crazy. understandable. Um, I was very much looking forward to this film. I'm a big fan of the Purge franchise. Um, this to me was terrifyingly accurate. Of what? Okay, we we oh. have to take calls. So I'm, okay, uh, but we are going to get back to the Purge. Let's, okay, We're, just hold that thought. Cool. All right, first caller. Hello, you're on Meet the Movie Press. Hey, guys, it's Mike. How are you? Good, Mike. How are you? I'm all right. Hanging in there. Cool. I uh, just wanted to call. Well, uh, I want to call because I don't remember who it was. Somebody did a piece this week about the box office just for the year. Mm-hmm. Just for the year. This is, We're on target to have the lowest box office since, like, possibly, or, like, lowest attendance since, like, the 1920s. Wow. The lowest attendance. Mm-hmm. I've heard. I mean, I've heard the the attendance is way down. So I'm just curious: is there any real chance of of Hollywood like 
something to change things up if they're seeing this dramatic because the formula for these you know sequels and creations of franchises is clearly aren't working this summer mm. yeah other than disney everyone has kind of been struggling a little bit yeah i mean even disney have hit a couple of you know bumps in right the well they're about year. to this weekend with bfg opening way with, below with alice through the looking glass yeah that's you know. true too yeah fair so enough. they've had some big hits but they've had big hits and they've had stinkers right and there's not really a lot between and um, i've got a couple of theories on this and I, I i did an interview with eli roth recently for forbes i'll post a link um on the youtube channel after the show um one thing that from a from a director's point of view what they're finding is they're not wanting to make movies that aren't already properties that are established because you know then you're kind of guaranteed. They don't want to make the movies unless they've got one of the top five people who can open it, so that limits it further. You know, studios are not wanting to make, um, unless it's a really, really good idea, and usually they are tied to things like pre-existing magazines, content, comic books, TV shows, etc., like that, um, or sequels, that they don't think there's an audience for already because it is such... People are fighting harder for your dollar when you go to the cinema these days, when you go to the theatre. You know, it's a lot harder to get bums on seats. You look at weekends, they're oversaturated with releases. Studios are looking at things and going, great, this could be a strong first weekend. What are we looking at weekend two, weekend three, weekend four? And if that doesn't work, they're just not releasing those films. Now, also, a lot of people in the audiences are calling for sequels to popular films. Zoolander 2 is a really good example this year. Um, And the great thing is that people like to think that they'd like to see a sequel, and then when they go and see the sequel, it's actually pretty much the same as the first film, and, you know, they're, they're kind of pissed. That's that what sequels are seen. supposed to be, though. But, mean... Yeah, but the thing is, with audiences, it's, I'm going to use Hangover as a really good example. Hangover 2 was pretty much the same film, but in a different country. Hangover 3, they decided to go, okay, that didn't work, let's change it up to a different country, let's a different story, and people were like, yeah, I wanted the same story again. And so you, it's... Sometimes it's difficult to please those audiences and it's difficult to find space if you've got a film that is dominating screens for three, four, five weeks to keep your movie in theatres. If it doesn't open big, like The Shallows, great movie. Didn't open brilliantly last weekend, opened stronger than expected. But right now in theatres, that is one of the best films you can see for entertainment and experience. But who's taking the screens? Independence Day Resurgence, which is not good. Hmm. <laughs> that was a long. Uh, that was a long rant. Yeah. Sorry. I kind of. <laughs> sorry, Mike. Yeah. Um, no. No. It's a, you it's aged a year in that. Time. I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> Mike, I, I just don't. I think it's been a weak summer. I don't think that there's been a, a gigantic um, four quadrant tentpole that everybody's rushed to see. Mm. Um, I don't know. I mean, like Simon said, it's harder to put butts in seats. There's a lot of distractions uh, these days. Summer's about to take an even bigger hit with the Olympics coming up. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people are going to be staying at home watching that. So, you know, par- it's partially about the movies. It's partially just about – partially about – it's just going to my Boston accent. Yeah, partially. It's partially. <laughs> partially just about, uh, you know, audience viewer patterns. Mm. I don't know. It's expensive to go to the theater. Have you gone to the movies as much this year, Mike? Uh, no, actually, I don't think uh, – as much of a movie lover as I am, I don't think I've been to the theaters – since I saw Civil War, yep, at, you know, last month, and honestly, um, just because like I was, okay, so I live in New York, uh, I live close to uh, to Broadway, to the theater district, and honestly, I've been going to see more Broadway shows because even though they are more expensive, I'm getting You're getting more, more out of it. That's what people are talking about mm. these days in Hollywood. They're not talking about fucking Tarzan. They're talking about Hamilton. Um, 
Uh, well, if only, if only I could afford Hamilton. <laughs> right, yeah. All right, uh, well, thanks for, for calling. We're, we're going to move on. Um, do we have any other callers lined up? There's a couple of responses on that subject in the chat room, actually. Zeno Hour says, it's costing a lot of money to go to movies now. Ticket prices in his area went up in the past year. Uh, Jonathan yeah. is saying the real reason why some sequels underperform, is it because they're releasing on banned release dates? That's true. So I, think da- positions. I think dating's a goddamn mess in this town. All right, yeah. let's take another call. Hey guys, can you hear me? Hey, yes. Yeah. All right. Um, it's um, hey, my name is Brian. Hey, I'm I'm a I'm a big fan of you, uh, Jeff, because uh, you did you did good in the slowdown. I won't I won't lie. You did good. But Thank you. We're gonna I, talk about, dude. I got a fucking job <laughs> done. That can you? Okay, can you name three people in the Magnificent Seven? Dave, um, Brian, and I Steve. Do, I do not even I. I've never seen that movie. That was a tough ever. fucking question. I was going to watch it in the fall before the remake comes out. That was a tough question. <laughs> um, all right, so I'm sorry. What's what's your question, Brian? Okay, um, I wanted to I wanted to uh, put in a question about um, about uh, the Purge because okay. I I went I saw the first one and I, <clears throat> and walking out of the movie, I thought I thought it had a very interesting idea. You know, the idea was there, but. I, I'm sorry, but it was a little, it was a little bit miscast, and and it was just a little bit too, it was a little bit too more, too much of like a home invasion kind of thing, and uh, and the way that I wanted to see the purge was the way that purge anarchy was, was right? That they, it was mm, they opened it up in the sequel. I wanted it to be on the streets, yeah. Yep. And I think I think the purge anarchy delivered on it. I think that I think uh, purge election year is I think it's going to be a good movie. I I don't think it's going to be a great movie or anything like that. I mean, I I would have to say it's more leaning towards like the you know like the classic '90s you know action movies that we're you know that we're seeing nowadays. Mm. Um, I think if I think it feels more like that, but if it does have a if it does have a good box office uh, going into this weekend, I mean, would you say it's going to probably be like number two or number three? Well, if we're looking um, at Thursday, yeah, yeah. We're we're actually, okay, we're now, now we'll talk about this. the purge. Yeah, we'll go because, back to our purge discussion. Uh, Thursday night box office. There are three three major movies really opening um, this weekend. Legend of Tarzan, two point seven million take on Thursday. BFG, seven hundred and seventy five thousand on Thursday, which is not amazing at all uh and the purge election year 3.6 million on thursday alone which is the which highest is, in the series yeah and it's also it's a, mm-hmm. it's a strong opening for this weekend I, so i went last night i did yeah. not go to a preview mm. <laughs> and uh and the, and the theater was pretty full last night yeah. um i think this movie's gonna do really well yeah uh and and kind of close on the heels of the conjuring too um mm. you know normally you have to kind of space out horror releases but uh there's a huge appetite, and that audience will never go away. But is, I think this is, is the most loyal audience. I think this is moving into... That's true. It's more of an action thriller. It's more of a thriller. Yeah. I was thinking that when I was watching it. And there's actually a Agreed. lot more There's a lot more humour in this one yes. than there was in the my, first two. Michael Williamson yeah. uh, definitely, definitely lightens things up. Um, and, and, you know, I took someone last night, and they were saying, like, oh, I really appreciated those flashes of humour mm. uh, to just kind of lighten, lighten the mood. I did not think the movie was that good. I mean, I don't think any of the movies in this series are that good. I thought two was better than one. Yep. This one may have been better than two, but they still have failed to reach their potential. It's like there's just something flat about them. I agree. Um, I, I love Grillo. I mean, Grillo's just yep. the man. But I quite like the fact that it hasn't reached its potential, though, because there's a lot of series at the moment, going back to talking about sequels, that kind of go, eh, you peak. 
And then mm-hmm. when they continue with the series, because it's popular, it's mm-hmm. just not as good. And I just watch the Purge movies, and I'm like, yeah, I want to see another one. I want to see the characters develop. I want to see the situations change, which I think is a good thing. There you go. You just said it right there. I want to see the situations change. I'm tired of murders <laughs> and masks and just people running amok, okay? I want to mm. see, like, something fucking strategic, like... A, just away from the murder, maybe a bank heist or an, a, a robbery, uh, some kidnapping plot. Like, all crime is legal. Why is it just people like, I want to just go out and fuck shit up and rage and kill everybody? Well, I mean, this can, can, can I put in an idea? Here yeah, for sure. A if, um, if, the first mo- if the first movie was like, the, was like a purge anarchy, if it, was mo- if it was more like that, do you think that this franchise would have gotten a little bit more... Um, like a little bit more talked about, you know, than just you know, than just having, a, you know, a home invasion at first, but then the second one being better than the first. I mean, no, do you think they didn't. Do you think it would have been? Do you think the franchise would have been a little bit better? I would say no. Yeah, it wasn't designed as a franchise. This no. was. You know, a home invasion movie with a great hook, mm. a great premise mm-hmm. that then took off and did really well. And they're like, all right, now let's take this idea and examine it mm-hmm. on a larger canvas, which they keep doing. I think that. This is peak purge. Like, you know, it's going to be talked about because mm. of the election stuff. Yeah. And because, as Simon said earlier, it is freakily, freakishly accurate. Yeah, it's fucking terrifying. But I think also the fact that I, I get your point. But what I'm thinking is the fact that I think why it works is exactly the, the reason that you think perhaps it doesn't work. Because every single film, it puts it in a different situation, different location. And if you just took the second and third films, they are more mm-hmm. external. But we're seeing it going from one situation to two or three locations and in a city. And now we see it expanded again here. And I think next time, I think we're going to see potentially across America. I think we're going to leave one city. And I think it's going to be different stories in different cities and i think that if we had started totally external with the franchise that would have seemed like it was a bit more samey moving forward but because it's gone from this single location through i think it's actually shown and allowed it to grow the organically the way that it has done there there's a lot to do with this premise but i don't think that this franchise is doing it and i just don't think it's very interested in doing it Mm. there was a moment in the film last night you see a wife who has just killed her husband Mm. and and you know she wanted to do it in the moment but then she regrets it Mm. um the, you know, if if someone if the movie were to stop and pause and examine that for more than ten seconds, yeah. I actually think it could, you know, look at some pretty interesting shit. But well, I think there are several characters that have, on. One thing about the franchise is some of the characters that you see introduced in each one don't get carried through. Some do and some don't. And I think it, the franchise is dropping little seeds where I think we're going to see stories come out of the background, um, and I think we're going to see some of the other characters developed and maybe frank have a slightly different role in it moving forward i can see this being a five film series five films jesus and Christ. i think we could see the next one being potentially frank and a spin-off well, they're character. just so they're just so cheap they're cheap to make they're, um so your returns are instantly going to be really well i was just i was annoyed last night with the uh the villain the the, the girls yeah after a fucking candy bar yeah oh man anyways that's enough for the purge <laughs> yeah. thank you for calling in have a, have a good fourth of july weekend all right you too guys all right. Do we have any more calls lined up or no? Let's see. I'll, I'll tweet it out again. Taking more calls. All right. What else uh, can we talk about? Let's talk about 
the Star Wars Han Solo thing. Yeah. Lead it. Go for it. Okay. There was a story that went around this week. Uh, there was a guy, I'll just check his name, a concept artist in McCaig, uh, who said that the Han Solo spin-off is by far the best Star Wars script so far. Now, this kind of angered you a little bit. Well, just to me, it's bit. just it's just like... Oh, the next one's the greatest thing. You'll, I promise. You'll see. It's. I mean, I was, I was listening to PTI thinking about this mm. yesterday because, you know, it was like um, and they were talking about either Derek Rose or, or Joe Kim Noah or something. And it's like, yeah, he had an off year, but he, he's promised that he, he's worked himself back into shape and, and he'll be even better better than ever next year. Yeah. It's like, what are these people supposed to say? That is what they're supposed to say. And I'm sure after Han Solo, Star Wars 8 will have the best script uh, in the Star Wars franchise. And then it'll be Star Wars 9 is the best script. I mean, it's just... But do you know what? I'm probably going to get some hate for this. I think a lot of the Star Wars movies, as much as I love them, don't have necessarily scripts. great scripts. Yes. You know, there's How a, hard is it? There's a lot of stuff in there, the and best. it's spacey stuff, and it's, you know, interplaying with characters and stuff like that. But it's very much like, oh, let's explain the plot rather than actually it being a good script. Mm-hmm. And I think the two things can be the same, but they can be very different things as well. So I think there are moments in the Star Wars scripts which are standout, repeatable, classic bits of dialogue. We all know them. But I think in between that, there's a lot of stuff that is kind of fluff. Yeah. You know, it's scene setting. It's moving the story forward, uh, you know, in a very functional way rather than being particularly well written. So I'm actually quite intrigued if they are starting to look at this as a series and go, do you know what? It's great to have amazing stuff on screen and great talent, but they need to say shit that people actually want to hear. Well, I mean, Han Solo is the biggest risk that I think that they're they're taking with this approach to, you know, spinoffs and... Uh, you know, focusing on one character rather than necessarily the world and the, His the saga character at large. character is more about I- iconic quips. That's the Han Solo dialogue. And it's dialogue. Lord, Lord and Miller writing. So yeah. like, I'm not surprised that the script is supposedly getting high marks. Yeah. Um, they're the most interesting writers that I think the franchise has mm. had. And I think this is the most interesting. I mean, I don't know. Rogue One sounds pretty cool to me yeah. uh, with the Death Star, stealing the plans of the Death Star. So... I don't know. I guess I guess we'll see after Rogue One comes out if I should care about something like this report. Yeah. I think now they're realizing we really need to focus on, uh, you know, a lot of the characters they really need. They're trying to build them up quite nicely and they're introducing new characters. I think they kind of go, well, if we're doing the characters, let's give them stuff that's worth saying. I just like, like who, who who is saying that this is the best Han Solo script? Someone who works on Star Wars, right? Mm. Yeah, like... Uh, what are you supposed to how do we take these opinions seriously that's why we have journalists and critics yeah, yeah but i've got i've got i've got friends who have worked not directly on films but have then read the scripts from films and not had a personal involvement in it and gone okay ghostbusters is a really good example a friend of mine read the script of ghostbusters like six months ago and they were like it's a good script Okay, then that's fine, because your friend isn't working on the Ghostbusters no. movie. But if it's like a PA on the Ghostbusters movie or Ivan Reitman, yeah. this, is the script, this is the best script I've ever seen for Ghostbusters. Yeah, obviously. Like, I don't give a shit what you're saying, I'll Ivan tell you, I'll tell you why they say that. Disney paid them. It has nothing eh. to do with that. It's just like, it's the same stuff I was saying about Simon Kinberg talking about Fantastic Four 2. Mm. It's just like, yeah, we know, you know. It's like they try to own the failure and then promise that the next one will be better. But I just don't want... It's all empty promises. That's Hollywood. And uh, Zeno Hour said on on the chat, you can have a great script, but you can still have a shit movie. Let's take that call. Which is true. Hey, who's this? Hello. Welcome to Meet the Movie Press. Hi, my name is... We didn't... Yeah, we didn't catch your name, but what's your question? (laughs) All right. Just want to say I'm a big fan of you guys. Thank you. Thank you. I've been watching since uh, 
well, since last fall, but I caught up on all the episodes, even from oh, shit. days of you and Mark Riley. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> all right. Um, I'm just wondering if you guys have maybe heard anything about, like, the script, speaking of scripts, from mm. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, or mm-hmm. how the production went, or if you know any insiders that say the, you know, potential quality of the movie, just because I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, uh, no, yeah, I haven't spoken to anyone who worked on Guardians 2. I I mean, I think it'll be pretty cool from the glimpses that we've seen of things on James Gunn's Twitter feed. I think I think with Guardians, it just felt like he had time to really settle in and and take, you know, write a script and come up with an idea. And casting, uh, you know, took a while. Yeah, like it just, you know, he had the luxury of being a perfectionist. Sort of. I here's a very LA story for you. I got an Uber the other day. Well, it was mm-hmm. a Lyft to be brand specific. Um, and the guy that was driving me uh, actually worked had a production notes connection to Guardians of the Galaxy Two. He spent a lot of time on set. He worked with the cast and he worked with James. And he was saying that he was not a particular fan of the first movie. He thought mm-hmm. it was good. You know, it didn't blow him away. Yeah, third but act said, problems. Yeah, but he said this is. He said it, it's a lot of fun. And he said, James, as you say, has taken time to get it right. You know, sequelitis is something that is endemic in Hollywood right, right they now. They rush him out. Yeah, and he's gone like, no, James has said, let's just get this right and let's really build it. He said a lot of the, the, lot of the cast that we've seen, obviously Kurt Russell being added, he said yep. people are going to fucking love Kurt Russell as Yeah, well. I think so too. You know, and he said just the whole thing, he said, has been really well thought out, really well constructed, and he thinks it will do as well, if not better. I think it'll do better. I mean, original. Disney knows what it has on its hands this well, time around before it was like the space odyssey with this unknown guy or relatively unproven guy in Chris Pratt. Well, I think it's a franchise that Disney really, really believes in and knows that it can milk. I mean, to give an example, they are, you know, the Tara Tara rides at the, the theme parks. Yeah, uh, they're in, tearing it out, right? Yeah, well, the, in California Adventure, they're uh, taking Tara Tara and they're creating it as a Guardians of the Galaxy ride. They're already looking at doing the same thing to, you know, one of the attractions in, there's a couple on the cards, but in Orlando. Mm-hmm. So th- they spend a lot of time reskinning these rides to have something that they think has legs. If they didn't think the Guardians of the Galaxy right. was going to have legs that were of quality, that they, they wouldn't just go, eh, that's not working, let's put it on the shelf. They would not put that level of money and investment into it in that kind of attraction. I was in Barnes & Noble's last night uh, and saw the, the deluxe edition of the Guardians of the, uh, of the Galaxy soundtrack on vinyl. Wow. And it's just like, and it looked awesome. Yeah. And if I had a record player, I would have bought it on the spot. It was just like, well, you don't see that for Iron Man 2 or for Thor no. The Dark World. Like, the Guardians is almost bigger than those mainstream superhero characters because there's more you can do with it almost. And also, James, looking at the music, James actually picks the music first of all and then he films to the music. It's a really interesting way to do it. And so the music is, you know, there are... I'm, I'm, I'm excited on, about that one. Yeah, I think it's great. I mean, the whole thing is just so well-planned and well-thought-out. You know, it's it's very much as a, it's a linear process. You need to put everything together and do it that way. And that's what he's doing. I trust James Gunn. He's a very talented writer. He's a very talented director. He he's a brilliant visionary as a filmmaker. When he what he puts on screen, whether his films are big or small, I I trust James Gunn probably more than I trust many directors in Hollywood to turn out a movie that is a movie I want to see. Does that answer your question? Yes, it does. Wow, thank <laughs> cool. you. That's thank- why I watch the show. <laughs> hey, have, hey, no have a great Fourth of July weekend. We'll take. You uh, too, guys. We'll take. take thanks. We'll take another call. Hello, welcome to Meet the Movie Press. What's going on? Hey, who's this? This is Todd, Laguna Hills. Hey. Hey. 
Hey, I was uh, going to ask them something about uh, if they've heard, heard of the book or read the book uh, Sleepless. Uh, what is it? Sleepless in Hollywood? No, I haven't. About, what's what's it about? About the uh, uh, international uh, box office and this. I forget the lady who wrote it, but they analyze like really all the different numbers and, and how big China is and you know what specific movies are made for for international reasons. So I thought I'd maybe ask the guys about that. Oh, I mean, well, no, I haven't read it. Have you, I'm, Simon? No, I'm not aware of the book, but I think it's really interesting. And this this goes back to something that obviously we discussed earlier in the show to do with, you know, how I think that some movies are being made more for an international audience. Someone very early on in the chat was talking about Finding Dory, which is a really good example, a film that I really enjoyed, I really liked. It's doing well here domestically, but it's not doing brilliantly. Uh, you know, it perhaps could be doing slightly better, um, right. but it hasn't opened in a lot of international territories. But even on opening weekend, in those territories outside of the US that it did open, it did really well. So I think there is this thing where, you know, people are looking, Hollywood is not necessarily looking at purely domestic now. They are really starting to consider or even potentially making movies more skewed to that international yeah. market in those certain markets. And if they weren't, it would be churlish to do so because there's a lot of money out there. Sure. There's a lot of money. Well, I think, I think uh, Independence Day, uh, Resurgence was definitely one of those. Yeah. Uh, I mean, on purpose. They probably had that in mind as well as like now you what's it now you can see me too or that didn't make anything here but now you know a sequel comes out and uh, it's just it's just amazing that uh, it's it's controlled by so much by you know international box office now when when we're the ones making these movies and, and, and you know wanting to consume it. I feel like America you know the United States has become more of the the movie critic and and uh, then they just you know throw up stuff in the international. Uh, uh, box offices like oh we'll take it all you know it's all new in China they've never seen stuff like this so right. like, also, uh, you know the simplest movie could be like the, you know, the biggest deal over there but I think also you have to look at how distribution of movies has changed it always used to be you were in theatres or you were on DVD or VHS. Now that model has expanded so much, you can release films in different territories, on different platforms, at different times. Okay, that increases the risk of piracy, which will affect your, your box office at the end of the day. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. As soon as it's, it, if, you, if, if, if you go to those websites to look, just to investigate, yeah, of course. <laughs> um, a lot of those are coming from from China, from, I don't know, like uh, Abu Dhabi or whatever. I mean, mm -hmm. who knows? I mean, there's so many different places. And then if it's on digital then it's going to be online, too. That's why Force Awakens was not online, because that was done on film. A lot of movies right. that are done on film, Good you point. don't see those ones yep. being pirated so fast. Yeah. All right, so, yeah. well, I'll try and uh, keep an eye out for Sleepless in Hollywood. It's written by Linda Opst, actually, uh, the producer of Interstellar. Yeah. Also wrote the yeah. book, uh, Hello, He Lied. Uh, thanks, uh, thanks for calling in. Have a great weekend. All right, fellas. Love you guys, man. Thanks for the show. Hey, right, thank you for watching. All right, as we wait for another call, we may take one or two more. Um, let's talk about some, some movies and some trailers. Okay, cool. So uh, I wanted to start with, did you see the Sully trailer? Yes, I did. Okay, so I watched it uh, on my phone at first, and I thought it looked good. And then mm -hmm. yesterday I showed it to my brother, who was in town. Okay. Uh, and I did it on the big screen in the living room, and it looked awesome. Mm. Like, him and his girlfriend were freaking out. What did you think? I... You see, I'm a big fan of Clint Eastwood's work, mm -hmm. and I like Tom Hanks, but he's made he's made a lot of shit. Tom Hanks, yeah, in the last few years, films that really aren't weren't as good as they should have been. Okay, okay. Now, for me, 
I was a little bit nervous. I find some of Clint Eastwood's most recent films can be a little bit worthy and a little bit dry. Yep. But there was something about the mix of Tom Hanks and Clint Eastwood directing yep. that just popped for me with this film. It just felt right. It kind of felt like they'd both been wandering in the wilderness a little bit and they just found each other and this was the exact right project for them to do. It stank, stank to me of awards-worthy stuff. I mean, I haven't seen the film, so it might not be as good as the trailer, but it just hit me as like, this is something where I think we're going to see classic Tom Hanks performance and some beautiful, beautiful direction. It certainly put him on the map as far as another Best Actor nomination goes. Uh, I just thought I was thought I just found it so compelling. It's like I knew the story, and I know it's just about a plane landing on the water and nobody dies. Yeah, but it, I mean the way that Clint Eastwood just seemed to wring the drama out of it. Um, I really like the casting too. Aaron Eckhart uh, is the co-pilot, I yeah. think, uh, and we're going to talk about him more in a second. Uh, but like Michael Malley, someone who you never would have thought would be in a movie with Tom Hanks. Mm. Uh, and the Clint Eastwood movie, he looked great in it. I know, yeah. uh, I think Jerry Ferrara has a role, um, Turtle from Entourage. Like, I don't know. I, I kind of really appreciate Clint's casting on this. It seems yeah. different. Uh, I know I made an easy joke on Twitter about the poster. Okay. With, uh, with I was just like Tom Hanks playing Anderson Cooper in Sully. <laughs> <laughs> He's got like that white crew yeah, cut it looks like. Yeah, I can see like. that. Um, I loved how Tom Hanks was like half the poster and then it was like Sully. Like, <laughs> for me, fonts. watching it, it, obviously it's a different story, but I was very much looking forward to um, Bob Zemeckis' flight. flight. Yeah, it definitely had that. Yeah, and feel. I was thinking, this looks to me, obviously we haven't seen the finished, the final product, but this to me feels like the film that Flight should have been in terms of drama. Flight was good. Character. Did you? Yeah, it, yeah I, I thought did. Flight was good. I thought it was good, but it just felt there was something missing for me. And it just, this feels to me like the film that Flight could and yeah. should have been. There's just this sense of urgency. And I'm and genuinely looking forward to see this. Examining his, his Sully's home life. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm pumped for Sully. Uh, speaking of Aaron Eckhart, though. Mm. Also popped up, popped up in the trailer for Bleed for This. Did not recognize him. Yeah, because he's got, he's bald. Yeah. Um, I thought it was Christopher Maloney, first of all. I looked at it and I was interesting. like. Interesting. Yeah. So. Uh, I like to think he's copying my hairstyle. This movie, this. open road release. Mm. Um. Miles Teller playing boxer Vinny Pazienza, right? Yeah. Did I pronounce that correctly? The Tasmanian devil uh, who was who broke his neck in a fucking car accident yep. and willed himself back into the ring. I thought this trailer looked amazing. Yep. I loved the car accident and then the smash cut to black and then the red font, you know, from the producer of American Beauty and Silver mm-hmm. Linings Playbook. Um, I loved the VHS cam of him lifting weights with the goddamn neck brace on. Yep. Uh, I'm just, this movie looks awesome. I don't care that we have a ton of boxing movies lately. Yeah. Miles Teller, to me, is one of the best young actors out there. Agreed. And I'm really excited to see him tackle this role, because it looks like a challenge. Well, very excited, I mean, for exactly the same reasons that you do, but also Kieran Hines is in this. Yeah, he looked really good. He looks good. He looks like, I I love Kieran Hines. He does a lot of sort of filler projects these days, but I think he's one of the most overlooked and underappreciated actors of his, certainly his age group, his generation, Mm -hmm. in Hollywood. And this looks like a film that we can see him really excel in, that I think is going to kind of elevate him in the way that we've seen actors like J.K. Simmons in the last couple of years Mm -hmm. just go pop, Boom, you've suddenly gone, you've gone to the next level. You know, many other actors like that. And I love Kieran Hines, and it just genuinely excited me to see him pop up doing what he's doing. Do you realize who directed that movie? No. Ben Younger. You know who that is? No. Boiler Room. 
Hasn't done a movie, I think, since Prime. Since, wow. That okay. shitty Uma Thurman thing. Yeah, that was awful. Awful. Uh, but Boiler Room was super exciting. Doesn't really get its due. Um, and I think that this story could be pretty cool, uh, pretty interesting in his hands. That's I did not know that. That's actually really interesting. Yeah. And especially considering the quality that it looks when you compare it to Prime. I think Open Road's excited about this one. Yeah. Uh, there's one more trailer I wanted to discuss this, uh, this okay. week. Why him? Mm-hmm. The James Franco, Brian Cranston thing. You've seen this. I haven't had a chance to. Yeah, yet. no. I mean, I think, I don't know if it was Vulture. Someone maybe tweeted it. It, it writes itself, this movie. Yeah. Or Brian Cranston. I mean, James Franco is playing like a, a tech billionaire or something who mm. comes and sweeps Brian Cranston's daughter off off his feet. And Cranston's just super wary. I mean, ah, this is going to be funny. I, I'm there. Opening, opening day. Uh, we need some good comedies. Franco is what's the release hilarious. I, th- I mean, it's this fall. I think. It's I mean, by it's by the it end might of the even year, be right? December. It okay. might even be like that Daddy's uh, Home kind of yeah. comedy studio comedy. Slot I think there. this year a lot of comedies have been lacking. There aren't that many that have genuinely made. Agreed. Me laugh. I'm looking forward to Mike and Dave though. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I I have not seen that yet. Okay. I'm looking forward to seeing it. You know, I'm, I'm a I like Zac Efron. You know, I like Adam Devane. What do you think um, of Bad Bad Moms? Do you think that'll yeah, work? Mm, you more see, I see of it, I, more wary I want I get. to like that. I so like I. the cast. I love Mila Kunis. I'm just kind of wondering if this is a, hey, let's get people behaving badly. Who haven't we done three mums? And I'm just wondering if yeah. it's a little bit late to that behaving badly thing. I I like the cast involved. I think if it's really hideously gross... It's gonna really hit home, but it's it's got to do something that is quite extreme. Yeah, well, I think. Uh, but there's not a lot of women. I'm, I know this is obviously going to be targeted. There's going to be a big male audience, but I think there's going to be, you know, they're looking to get a strong female take on this because there are a lot of women out there that like this gross like humor as well, and there aren't that many kind of female led comedies this year, especially. So I think in the same way that Ghostbusters is appealing to the over twenty five women in a very big way right now, I think we're going to see this potentially do that as well. But it has to do something to justify bringing in that Let audience. Let me ask you this interesting question. Yeah, okay. Do you think that Ghostbusters will affect Bad Moms? Like, if people are let down by a female-led Ghostbusters, are they less inclined to go see this female comedy two weeks later? I don't think so. Okay. I think there are... There's a strong element to the female audience of moviegoers, and women love going to the movies, especially in groups, perhaps more so than guys. Guys do have things like Batman and stuff like that. But I think there's there's an it gives an excuse for women in groups to go to the theatre. Okay. And I think there are so few films out there that women actually get to do that these days that I think it will have an ill-built or inbuilt audience. We saw it with things like Sex and the City 2, which everybody knew was going to be a massive pile of shit. And yet, because there's so little content out there for that demographic, mm-hmm. when it comes out, they go and they see it. Doesn't always happen. Mother's Day didn't happen this year. That was kind of people are sick of that kind of multi-story kind of right. situation. But I think with this, potentially it could open. I'm not saying it's going to be like we'll 40, see. 50 million, but I think it could have a very nice, comfortable and very confident opening. So we'll see. I'd like to see STX have a summer hit uh, after Free State of Jones was, disappointed. Yeah, I'm rooting I, for those guys over there, yeah. but it just, you know, that that's a question mark, Bad Bombs. We'll see. Yeah, STX, I'm, I'm very much behind. Um, I mean, I've liked many of the films that have come out that just haven't hit with audiences. I thought Free State of Jones got a really rough ride, which was not deserved. You okay. know, I discussed that briefly last week. But, um, you know, it's a film that I enjoyed. It's flawed, absolutely, but there are some amazing performances in there. Salva, is, is there a compelling reason to see it, though? 
Yeah, it's it's a good movie and it's different to what's out there. I think the box office right now, the, the theatres are just so crowded with these big budget movies that they just it's got a little voice and it's not loud enough right now. I would have held that off until September if yeah, that was me. I, mean, I think releasing I, in the summer was a bad move. Like, I get what you just said though, where it's like, well, it's not like anything else in theatres, and as an idea, then yeah. it should work, you know, because it's a good movie. It's not cannibalizing itself as it is the only sort yeah. of you know uh, serious adult drama in the marketplace. You know, if you go to the fall, you're just you're just one of many. Mm. Uh, so I kind of get going for the counter programming that like that decision that STX made. But, but like there's you counter programming where there's a female focused movie, and there's a counter programming where it's about civil rights and slavery, and that to me is not the antidote to sure. some of Blockbuster. I think it would have been better in the fall too. I, would have I, said I agree September, with you. A um, couple of other things. Uh, did you? I mean, were there any other movies that you saw this week? Uh, no, I didn't get to see the BFG, and I didn't get to get the Legend of Tarzan. Okay, unfortunately, I haven't seen either but one. I've seen I've seen uh, some strong reviews for BFG but it doesn't appear to be what I call with normal people, people outside the industry there doesn't appear to be that buzz or excitement right mm-hmm. now there's more about The Secret Life of Pets which is coming out next week than right. there is about BFG uh, and The Legend, Legend of Tarzan I've seen a, a lot of reviews about it some it's have been, been wildly good. divisive it's, it seems. Yeah, some people it's, have liked it some people it's haven't. difficult to tell where that's lying but I think that will have an audience well, BFG, I'll be interested to see how that's going but that's a Disney release over here well, and after Alice Through the Looking Glass, I think they really want to pull that. Well, forget what other people bag. are going to do. Are yeah. you going to see these movies? Are you going to pay your hard earned money to see either one of these movies? Out of those two, even if I hadn't seen The Purge already, I would probably put my money on The Purge election year. Okay. Well, I wouldn't I mean, put I, my I, money on BFG or, or, or Tarzan. So That's you, not where I spend gonna, my $15. You're going to wait for VOD. Okay. I'm, gonna wait I'm for probably going to pay for, for the Spielberg. Uh, because I do think that is the kind of movie that you need to see on the big screen. But yeah. I will probably wait for VOD for Tarzan. Mm. There, uh, there were a couple of things I just uh, that I saw this week, um, okay. and we're nearing the end of the show. Sure. I saw the Department Q trilogy. Okay. Have you heard of this? No. It's like uh, you know, like Danish crime thriller mm-hmm. sort of thing. Um, anyways, it's on VOD. You can buy all three movies for twenty bucks or rent them at seven bucks a pop. Okay. Uh, quite enjoyed it. If you're a fan of the original Dragon Tattoo trilogy, mm-hmm. uh, same same screenwriter Nikolai Arcel, nice, who's directing The Dark Tower. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, based on a trilogy of books. I just um, it had some pretty interesting plots, and you yeah. know, I like that kind of shit. I also saw Taika Waititi's Hunt for the Wilder People. Yes. Now, you see, you I, see it? no, I haven't. I tried to get into a screening for that. I didn't get anything back. And I'm finding it quite hard to find a theater that actually showing it. The landmark on Pico. Oh, sweet. I loved it. Okay. Top, top 10 of the year for me so far. Wow. Uh, and I'm up to about 90 movies close to it. Um, but yeah, really sweet movie. I missed it at Sundance. I got to interview everyone. Nice. Uh, at Sundance. Um, and it gave me a sort of inkling of the chemistry that they had. Mm. But uh, the movie was uh, a delight. So check it out if you can. Um, elsewhere, you know, we had a couple of just quick casting bits. Barkat Abdi in Blade Runner. Yep. I, I like this guy. I liked yep. him in Captain Phillips. I thought he was the best thing in Eye in the Sky. Yep. We will never know what happened to him in Trainwreck. He got nope. cut. Uh, but yeah, good good for him. Uh, a, a different a kind of face in, in Blade Runner. Yep. Uh, Mackenzie Davis got the lead in Jason Reitman's uh, Tully. I saw that. Written by Diablo Cody. It's going to be her and Charlize. She's going to be playing. Uh, Mackenzie's going to be playing the t- uh, the title character. Nice. One of the the, the most gifted, talented uh, young actresses out there, in my opinion. Yeah. Do you watch Alton Catch Fire? Uh, yes. Do you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
I, I watched the first season. Um, it wasn't necessarily for me, but I, I, I definitely believe in her, mm. um, and and I think that she has a very bright future. I think that there's a lot She's of interesting to watch top level filmmakers who are yeah. eager to work with her. Uh, Owen Wilson uh, is joining Julia Roberts in Wonder. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to be a, a movie to keep an eye on, based on a huge book. I know Lionsgate's excited about that. Uh, Wreck It Ralph two. Disney announced it via Facebook Live. A very yeah. interesting approach to a press release sort yes. of announcement. What do you think? Uh, well, I, I, it was kind of no surprise, really, because you know John C. Riley, who's obviously returning as Wreck-It Ralph, as is Sarah Silverman for her role, um, kind of kind of let the cat out of the bag last year and said that he was signed on for a sequel. So we knew it was coming. What I liked was the fact that obviously all, all these people are signed on for yeah. sequels. By the way, it's just a matter of whether they're I. Make- I like the fact that um, Rich Moore and Phil Johnston are going to be co-directing it because I think they work very, very well on um, uh, Zootopia, um, Zootropolis in, in other markets. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I am excited about it. And I like the way they did a Facebook, if you haven't seen it, they did a Facebook Live video announcement. And everybody thought, oh, my God, it's glitching towards the end. But the whole idea of Wreck-It Ralph 2 is the fact that Wreck-It Ralph leaves the arcade and mm-hmm. he go, basically becomes part of the Internet. So I think that was a really, really nice way to do I it. think this is a response just to the popularity of gaming, you know, like mm. how can we set another sort of movie in that video game kind of world? Yeah. Um, I enjoyed Wreck-It Ralph 2. It was my favorite movie, but I thought it was pretty clever. Yeah. Uh, I like, I like Sa- John Sarah, C. Riley and Sarah Silverman. Oh, I just, when I see John C. Riley, even interacting on the Facebook, hug, like, yeah, he just makes me happy. Yeah. You know, um, but yeah, I mean, it's interesting that because they're releasing this now in March uh, in 2018, they bumped Gigantic to later in the year, which I think if they're good movies could give Disney at least two pops at best animated feature come the Academy Awards that year. Wreck-It Ralph 2 might be released too early, obviously, it'll come just after the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the Academy Awards. Um, but I think, you know, that could potentially give them two strong entries. And, you know, many years now we're seeing quite a weak pool for animated movies so that could put them in really good stead um i know james cameron said uh something about about star wars the force awakens this yeah, week which was a really weird it kind of got t- taken totally out of context i thought uh he didn't say that force awakens lacked visual imagination he just said it didn't have the same visual imagination yeah. as the original six films from george lucas uh which i think is fair um but it just goes to show it's like i want celebrities i like it when directors are candid and honest about their thoughts on movies because yep. otherwise it's the same cookie gutter bullshit yeah and cameron got like killed for this and like this is probably why nobody bothers to be honest because it's just like the whole fucking internet jumps on you but he doesn't have to like it because he's james cameron i'll be honest with you i'm not a it's massive true. fan of avatar but you know <laughs> it's just kind of like you know you can like what you like because you like it and you don't have to like it there's no written rule that it's star wars you gotta like it i just thought people it's were fine. taking a lot of shots at cameron um for you know an opinion uh, and a fair one. There are people out there that don't like aliens. Yeah. So, well, I mean, they're those, people, but, those people are crazy. Yeah, but. Uh, and we're going to end it just with a little quick uh, thing. So Sony named a point person for virtual a uh, virtual reality yeah. sort of department uh, this week. Um, do you think virtual reality is the future? Like, what is your experience, you know, with virtual reality and that kind of stuff? Uh, I'm noticing the industry putting a lot of time and effort into this. Have you done the d- demos and stuff? I've not. I'm due to do it in a couple of weeks. Okay. Um, and I'm, you know, we've tried to do virtual reality a number of times in the industry over the last sort of 15 years, and it just hasn't been quite right. From what I'm seeing so far from demonstrations, it appears to be that it's moving in the right direction. But I'm just not feeling that audiences are particularly, I don't think, I don't know if audiences want virtual reality. Great for things like gaming. I think I get mm-hmm. that there. But when I go to see a movie, I want to see a movie. 
You know, I'm fine putting on 3D glasses. I don't want to have to experience it in a VR way. You know, make better movies. Don't have gadgets to polish the turd. I, I just, I've sampled a lot of the 3D demos and stuff like that, and, mm. and it's fun while you're doing them. I don't know that, like, I would just put the glasses on no. at home on, on my own. Um I like watching a movie with people where I can see people, where I can see their experiences. I I like watching movies on my own, and that's a great experience, but I like to see how people watch the movie. I don't think it'll replace movie theater, no. movies or movie theaters, that's for sure. I think it, it could be you know, a sort of added element. I'm mm. very So this week, while I've been unemployed, um, I've been reading Ready Player One. Okay. Uh, and it's, I, I love it. And I'm just super interested to see how Spielberg pulls off the virtual reality in that film mm. using Magic Leap. Yeah. The, uh, you know, that technology. And you can go on YouTube and see some really cool demos about the stuff that Magic Leap has been working on. Uh, so, yeah, it's just interesting times in Hollywood, uh, you know. Well, I just hope that with VR they can make it as good as the Lawnmower Man. <laughs> right, God. You know, um, yeah. that's where the benchmark is. <laughs> and we will, we will leave it uh, on yeah. that note. So you got any fun plans for the fourth? Uh, no, it's my first one in America. Um, so apparently we get to purge on that day, right? Yes, we purge okay. and we yeah. light off fireworks. I'll, I'll be I'll be purging. Don't blow off your hand like uh, that no. New York Giant guy. Uh, I've done other things on my hand, but it won't be that. Um, but yeah, no, I'm just looking forward to, to actually seeing what's going on locally in Hollywood, and I'm going to kind of suck some of that ambiance in. Or I could sit in a traffic jam trying to get to Santa Monica for seven hours. That's what I... Dude, I went to Malibu last year, and it was a fucking nightmare. Yeah, no, Never I will again. not be. Someone said, hey, go to the coast, watch some fireworks. Fourth of July, went, no. to me, is like New Year's Eve. It's one of those holidays where there's just like a ton of pressure to go out and do something yeah uh get shit-faced yeah. and crying i don't know maybe I'll, I'll take it easy anyways i hope you guys out there have a wonderful fourth of july weekend be safe yeah uh you know don't be sensible don't, don't drink and drive drink responsibly um make sure you're rating commenting subscribing to the popcorn talk network i'm telling your stuff. friends That's tell your really friends important. have you know call in next week yeah uh you can find me on twitter at the insider simon uh at showbiz simon on twitter and instagram and on facebook this is simon thompson guys Have a wonderful weekend. You just met the movie press. Take care. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only, and not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals. 